2: That's yeah. <laughs> they have asked for that, really. France are going to go the World Cup. Get over it. This fellow Ronaldo is a cop.
1: Boom, 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 the Boom, 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 yellow card.
2: Nah, that's actually bollocks. I have to ask you to mind your language. And I suggest you shut up and show more football, good lad.
0: I don't draw teacups. It's not my style. I think I'd rather throw punches. What you doing down here, you are me man?
1: <laughs> September seventh, nineteen ninety four. Latvia nil. Republic of Ireland three. Two goals by John Aldridge, one from the penalty spot. Mm-hmm. And John Sheridan getting, a, I would say, a rare enough international goal. Um, I can't imagine John Sheridan scored too many. Why am I talking about this, Ken? Well, Why am I talking about this? I started thinking back to previous qualifying tournaments after we have been at a major tournament mm, during the summer. Yeah. It got to a point in the 1990s where, I think, as a young teenage football, Irish football fan, I was a little bit spoiled and I it took at least two or three games into a qualifying campaign after we just played a major tournament to start getting excited or really engage with it. I don't remember this 3-0 win against Latvia, even though I watched a lot of football. John Aldridge, the scourge
3: of Latvia, mm. as George Hamilton, oh. said. Like, you could just imagine Latvia being, <laughs> sort of, march in the street with Aldridge flogging them, <laughs> <laughs> brutally. Yeah. Uh, that was just the way he, um, he treated them. Well, in, thankfully, in
1: not many of the locals cared too much because there were only 3,226 at the game, according 3, to Wikipedia. Yeah, that's what it says here. That's, Am not, I that's a not that's weirdo not weird. Or do not I actually
4: remember thing. this game? There's something about it.
3: Uh, Ireland Lafayette. Well, look, we we uh what we had do. we had a good run uh for a while you know, qualifying for tournaments and then okay, after Euro 88, the first one was Northern Ireland 0 0 yeah, and uh, a World Cup qualifier after the 1990 World Cup 5 0 I won against Turkey. Oh, match, I remember it well, match I, match that I one. personally was at uh, oh. supporting the boys. Had in we ring. no
4: remorse? No, stop Turkey, you're they're already
3: dead. Yeah, Niall, uh, I mean, not so many different scores. With Nal Quinn, uh, John Aldridge. No, John Aldridge scored a hat trick, actually, come to think of it, didn't he? Yeah, it was a hat trick by John Aldridge. Not that many scores. Four or five. Uh, four or five nil. Latvia, four nil in 1992. Latvia, three nil in 1994.
4: So, most likely result tonight, four, somewhere in the three nil to five four. Three to five, yeah.
3: We, we didn't qualify for Euro 92, of course, so we were hungry. Uh, hungry we, like a wolf. Hungry, kid. hungry for action. After qualifying, though, for the 2002 World Cup. Our first game was away to Russia.
1: I don't oh, know if you remember that one. Remember, yeah. I do remember Phil that. Phil Babon goal, McCarthy under pressure.
3: I have a vague memory that there was some kind of weird forest fire or something happening in, in Russia at the time. Some kind of pall of smoke hanging over um, hanging over Moscow and the acrid stench uh, was seen out of two by the, uh, the combustion of our Euro 2004 dream, <laughs> uh, which... Didn't last very. It didn't last very long. I mean, if you remember that time, we were kind of everyone was quite excited. We thought we were a good team then. We'd gone. We got over the absence of Roy Keane. We got over the loss of Roy Keane. We were, you know, we had Duff, uh, Robbie Keane, uh, exciting uh, young players, and unfortunately, we got ripped to absolute pieces. Ah, there was. Come
1: on, gotten over the Roy Keane thing. Well, we haven't got. Nobody's gotten over it yet.
3: We were totally over the Roy Keane thing until. Uh, the fourth Russian goal slammed into our net, at which <laughs> point was, we realized we weren't over it. We would never be over it.
4: The divorced man goes out on his first date full of joy and hope that he's finally put the trials and tribulations of the previous year behind Remember
3: him. Remember, we'd been to Finland and arrogantly dismissed yeah. them 3-0 yeah, already. Yeah. That's like, 3-0. I mean, it was like Finland. You know, they're they're credible enough. Opponents. Mm-hmm. You know, at the time I think they'd just been in a, so a that, World that Cup was the, qualifying group with England and, and yeah. given them a couple of headaches and there we were just yeah. siphoning but you know so that I mean, was not a, at our level.
4: That was the drunken one night stand, but the date was Russia. Yeah. That was you that was us basically crying before the main course. There were a lot out. of complicated yeah. emotions. Yeah. We
1: kept talking about our uh, yeah. ex can we
4: just please move yeah. on from this Roy person? I've heard enough about this Roy, <laughs> you know? What about us? Let's make our own history here tonight. That's
1: what Roy would have said. <laughs> so this group is tricky that we're in as well. We might as well, we'll get into reporting and sport and start chatting about it. I will just flag up the fact that we're going to Belgrade to speak to Emmett Malone, who is there for the Irish Times. And we'll also chat to John Bruin about England's win, uh, such as it was. Well, I mean, it was a win. So therefore, I'm correct to say England's win, but yeah, not that many people... have described it correctly. I've described it uh, accurately, but it uh, didn't feel like a win to... Uh, a lot of people who are already a little bit hmm, What's uh, what's going on with this Sam Analyze team they're a bit boring so we'll talk about all of that after the report on sport.
3: so uh, the questions tonight I suppose are revolve around who is Martin O'Neill going to pick in the team really um, uh, we don't know yet he doesn't really tend to give much away unlike his uh, predecessor um, we can only really make some guesses uh, Brady left back Brady midfield I would personally go Brady midfield Owen Even though that means Stephen Ward left back. Um, And then you've got a question as to whether James McLean plays in the team or whether you play Robbie Brady in central midfield. I would play James McLean as well. Um, The reason being that James McLean is a powerful runner with a big engine. And that's something we don't have a lot of in this team. It's a... uh, it's it's been a problem for us. I think when you look back in the Euros, and when you look back at it in hindsight, we did have a problem a problem with energy. Um, it was particularly apparent against France, but you know it was the case in uh, in a couple of our other games as well.
1: Well, I saw you writing today that we didn't run around very much compared to most of the other teams. Not
3: compared to everyone else. Uh, I mean, one hundred and three, uh, one hundred and three kilometers per match would be of exceptional level for. Uh, you know, Astro Eleven, mm. but for the European Championships, it was below average. Mm. And this, in considering that you know we've we've got a team which, we, you know, as Branislav Ivanovic was saying, you know, they they give everything, they give it their all. We we do tend to think of our team as a team that try tries hard, tries its hardest. They don't leave anything out there. But if they don't, if they're not leaving anything out there, they're short. They're short of the required kilometerage. Uh, you know, which is usually a bit, you know, six or seven kilometers more per team. I mean, I'm talking about the whole team in aggregate, not just, you know, no one player can run that
1: much on. I didn't think <laughs> I didn't think that we looked tired in any game other than the France match. And in fairness, we were down to 10 men for the last half an hour or whatever it was. 20 and, minutes about. Yeah. Well, last 20 minutes. And we were playing the host nation. And we did have like three days less preparation time. Yeah. Re- re- or an hour time before that one.
3: Yeah, none of, none of which helped, but the the thing is that when you look at the actual, it's just when you look at the figures themselves, they show that we don't get around the pitch much compared to other teams, which may have something to do with the way that we play. You know, We're, we're kind of a more uh, older school uh, team that defends more deeply and then tries to take opportunities to counterattack rather than one of these kind of very fren- frenetic teams that you know, really tries to hunt down the other team and presses them all over the field. Italy were maybe surprisingly the top team for that in the Euros. They were the hardest-working team, as measured by how far have you run today. This is not the only way to measure how hard someone works or it's a, it's a team is working. It is a crude measure, but it does give you an indication, some indication of what's happening. Uh, so I would have him in the team purely because I think without him we're actually a little bit short on that, and this is the kind of game where... I think we might have to work pretty hard. I think Serbia are going to. Uh, I think it's going to be a very difficult game. You know, I mean, if, I suppose that game against France is good preparation for the, what this is going to be like. I mean, in terms of the, um, in terms of the stadium environment, um, in terms of the extremely partisan crowd, uh, I think it's mentally going to be a big challenge. I mean, it's not like this team hasn't been hasn't been through that sort of thing, but. Um, it's gonna it's gonna be difficult. I think you nil-nil know, will be a fantastic result, and I actually expect us to lose. So hopefully, it doesn't work out that way.
1: No, hopefully not. <laughs> nice positivity, but it's also I am somewhat comforted that we now go into this campaign, and we'll talk to Emmett about what Serbia, how Serbia are feeling about their chances, because they've a couple of big big name players suspended, and they've only had a few friendlies under the new manager. It's nice to have a major tournament under our belt, especially one in which we got into a knockout stage. So we got to see, our, we've seen our team a lot now and we know what they're all about, mm. uh, which is somewhat comforting, you know, that we actually have, it took a while for O'Neill to get there, quite a while actually, but you kind of feel you know, there is an identifiable style, there is an identifiable team spirit insofar as you can identify something like that, so yeah. that makes me feel um, half decent. Best and time.
3: some of the players, I mean, it's not a case of the fact that we've just got to a team and, and that team immediately has to all retire you know we've got players like long um hendrick uh brady and so on who uh, hopefully this experience is going to stand to them they're going to be bigger and better players at international level but you know as we said it is later uh on today so there's no point in really talking too much about it right now we will be talking about it i'm sure when we know the result and we can talk about it more wisely um just there was another thing there and john delaney uh, and the sunday times reporting over the weekend um well, i am just read from the Sunday Times. John Delaney, Chief Executive of the Football Association of Ireland, FAI, has admitted he is not a member of Chartered Accountants Ireland, CAI, despite frequently describing himself as, quote, a chartered accountant, unquote. Following a series of questions from the Sunday Times, Tony said yesterday he had completed all his exams to become a member, but had not gone through the, quote, formality, unquote, of joining the CAI. Uh, Delaney's biography on the website of the Olympic Council of Ireland, where he's acting vice president, describes him as a chartered accountant. He's also referred himself as during public meetings. CAI, which includes a list of members on his website, has confirmed Delaney is not one of its members. We have members named John Delaney, but neither is the FBI chief executive, said Brendan O'Hara, director of communications. To be called a chartered accountant, you must be a member of our institute. O'Hara said he could not confirm whether Delaney had passed the professional body's final exams due to data protection rules. Yeah. So that's uh, that's just an update from John Delaney.
1: Yeah, he's brought that up himself on occasion in the past. No, sorry, he's brought he's, brought, he's dropped in the fact that as a chartered accountant, he has a, an understanding of um, financial matters. whereas it? It's in the Sunday Times piece actually. Delaney um, talked about Bernard O'Byrne, the then chief executive's plans to construct Aircon Park. God, Aircon Park. Mm-hmm. Uh, Delaney said the FAI had no chance of delivering the project It's just a non-runner The debt is, whatever, 55, 56 million That's the type of borrowing, including the land we'd have to service In my view, as a chartered accountant, it's not a runner now
3: He said to the Sunday Times I passed my final admittance exam- examination for a chartered accountancy After completing the previous three professional examinations That I've served my full apprenticeship I have not applied for membership As I have not, requ- not required it for my career path If I feel I'm required to be a member in the future I will go through the formality Doing so, mm. so There you go um, we, you mentioned oh, we'll be talking to John Bruin uh, later. I'm sure we'll talk to him about the um, curious thing Sam I said afterwards, where after watching a game in which Wayne Rooney played exactly as he had in the Euros, only more so, um, dropping deep and spraying the ball around, uh, sending the ball looping in great gentle arcs around the stadium from a deep <laughs> position remember this is this is a role on which his current club manager Jose Mourinho has poured a certain amount of scorn his pass is amazing well my pass is amazing when I'm under no pressure Um, uh, people were, were you know doesn't look as though Sam's changed much and now I said um, I can't stop Wayne playing there this is the most decorated outfield player in England he's won everything Man United Champions League and domestic level I think he holds a lot more experience in international football than I do as an international manager So it's not for me to say where he's going to play. Well, uh, that's an interesting one. I mean, it must be a bit of a head rush for Wayne Rooney to realize
4: that... He can do whatever the hell he likes.
3: No one man is bigger than this team except for Wayne Rooney. Yeah, I mean, you know, to be fair, Sam, I do have 115 more games at this level than you do. I mean, because it's 116 now. It's a record outfield... uh, caps holder for England. Um, So, uh, yeah, it it is an interesting one. We'll talk to John about how how he thinks, uh, whether that's uh, a sign of Sam Allardyce maybe being a little intimidated by the job and some of the players he's working with, you know, in terms of a a little bit too deferential, or whether, you know, maybe maybe this is actually uh, the wise way to do things. It is
1: also post-match, so there is an argument that maybe he just said it he just hasn't thought long and hard it was just the, something that came out of his mouth but against that he originally talked about it in the TV interview and then he was asked to clarify later and in clarifying he went f- further mm. into his explanation as to why Wayne Rooney Is uh, you know is is in this exalted kind of position within the team, so it does seem like something that he probably does think.
3: Yeah, it looks as though he's um, he's counting on waiting for the foreseeable future. Anyway, but uh, so what else? Um, Scotland beat Malta five one. It was looking a bit dodgy for a while. It was one all, but then they Malta had a man sent off, and Scotland racked in a racked up a few goals. So they're also in England's group. Um, uh, Argentina uh, were in action, and Lionel Messi obviously had decided to retire and then unretire. So he was doing a an interview uh, with a guy called Mingo, who is like uh, you know, I guess popular T V personality in Argentina. Um and uh, at some point in the interview uh well he, he was basically he, he explained a couple of things like for instance uh why do you have blonde hair now? And the answer is makeover. Um uh, I, I made a change to start from zero. And so I said, a lot of gone on, things had happened. And I said to myself, I have to break this and start again. So he literally went out and decided and uh, got his uh, got his hair done, looked at himself and was like, you're a new man now. <laughs> and uh, uh, and said he was right. I mean, he, he got over the disappointment of losing the Copa America final and then decided to go back. But at the, in this interview, Mingo uh, decides to give him football. And he says, hey, Leo, um here's a present for Thiago, you know, your son. Uh, Leo says, hmm, I don't really actually buy him many balls or force him to play with them because he doesn't really like them that much, uh, says Lionel Messi. <laughs> <laughs> he, he says that he is hoping um, that Barcelona, who are now organizing a, a project for the players' children uh, to sort of some kind of a like high-end crash, uh, that maybe he will get... Let's see if he gets hooked. That way, it would be a good start. Uh, but for the time being, Thiago Messi zero interest. Thiago in Messi the, knows his own mind. No interest in the round ball game. I,
1: I like a style, yeah. Um,
3: I don't know. Nobody remembers Shakespeare's children. <laughs> this is maybe something <laughs> Lionel Messi shouldn't say to little Thiago, uh, who, to be fair, probably would be better off pursuing a career in something other than football. I'm going to say it. I'm going to just. I'm going to just say it. I know Jordi Cruyff... I
1: was going to say Jordi Cruyff had a res- more than respectable career.
3: Yeah, I know he did it and, he, and you know, he, he, still he did don't well. Think,
4: I still don't think he, he changed, he tipped the balance in favour of, you know, him being described as Jordi Cruyff's dad. I don't think Johan Cruyff was ever really described as that. Well, He, he was still very much Jordi Cruyff was Johan Cruyff's son.
3: Yeah, I mean, he had put <laughs> Jordi on his shirt for that reason. He didn't want Cruyff on his shirt. Um didn't he wear number fourteen but then had Jordi
4: on the back. Yeah, I mean
3: Um I mean he had a great career, you know, in when you look at in some ways. He got to the he scored in a glorious uh, European um the UEFA Cup final. He played for Manchester United, he, he scored for his country in an international tournament um at Euro ninety six. You know, most players I think would look at that career and think, Yeah, I did pretty well. Yeah. Um But
4: he doesn't though.
3: You know what I'm yeah, yeah well, he probably I mean, you know, he's probably had to make his peace with it. But you know, it is it is a difficult uh, it's difficult to imagine how Thiago could really yes, that is carry the flag any further for the Messi family in this particular it's, game. It's so maybe first. maybe football he, agency. He,
4: yeah, I was going to say. You know, I mean that whole goal a game thing. I mean, it has proved quite elusive for <laughs> pretty oh, much course. every footballer. So,
3: so uh, what else? Uh, an interesting interview with Paul Pogba in SoFoot magazine. In France. That's it. Pogba comes across pretty well in this. You'll never guess, Owen, um, uh, what sport he has in common with you. Well, you probably will, actually. I've put pa- it that
1: way. Paul Pogba? Yes. Well, he's. I mean, he didn't play getting football no. up to minor level.
3: Obviously, um, he's got football in common, true, but I'm not talking about football. What other sport could it be? Table tennis. Table tennis. Um. Table tennis. Uh, he says, actually, he's he's essentially a genius at table tennis, <laughs> according to himself.
4: Oh, so you've that in common with him as well? yeah. Listen,
3: although not as not good just as, an
4: interest, but also a genius <laughs> for it.
3: Not as good as his, uh, not as good as his brother uh, Matthias. Uh, he's the best. Uh, I've never beaten. I played against the two of them. They're always kicking me. I mean, oh. beating him. Um, but he does. He doesn't like to play too much against his France teammates because it's, uh, you know, to be honest, it's difficult to. Um, it's hard to look your teammates in the eye when you've beaten them so badly. Uh, but he does say, Owen, oh, and this is something you should take on board, T- table tennis is a real sport of concentration. If you get mad, you get out of your game. So just a bit of advice on temperament there.
1: He's right, yeah. Robin Van Persie is another top, top table tennis player. Really? Yeah, I've seen uh, There's a YouTube clip going around of him. He's pr- pretty damn good. Is he? These talented bastards.
4: Oh, uh, the old Owen McDevitt. Log on to YouTube. Type in table tennis wormhole. What top
1: what top Premier League players are yeah are currently yeah, hot on the table tennis table. That's what I look at.
4: list of 20 top Premier League footballers who play table tennis. You'll never believe number 14. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it's the most visited website. Pogba
3: says that he's kind of starts off with a bit of a Paulie from the, from the block type um, stuff. But, you know, I stay close to my childhood friends. I stay close to my brothers. They're the ones who give me my confidence. They're the ones who allow me to be myself. You know, I've uh, been close to them. Um, your brothers describe you as crazy. Uh, And he said, because I love to dance. I'm a dancer. It's like that. But he's crazier than me. Um, He says, the craziest, uh, I call it Red Bull blood. It's like Asterix. He fell into the Red Bull when he was small. He has too much energy. Uh, (laughs) Asterix, I I guess, has a, he fell into the potion. It's kind of like Achilles Mm. origin myth, you know. Um, Asterix went right in there and became super powerful, Uh, What did Obelix fall into? Obelix, Obelix is the one who fell in. That's why he's so big. Yeah, yeah. Asterix has to drink the potion every now and then when he needs to have superpowers. Obelix just fell in when he was a child, and and that's how he
4: is—the way he is now. He'd really need to lose some weight. I'm concerned about Obelix. He's, you know, he's a fat man. He
3: does have a a pear-shaped. Yeah, yeah, but you know, it's 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 all it's mostly muscle. Red Bull blood. Uh, It must have been difficult for your mother with all these crazy boys. Uh, so if I say, "Oh, she's the craziest of all. She dances all the time." <laughs> uh, so uh, he then so he's basically boasting about a lot of things. He boasts about being the champion of Perudo. Perudo being this game that French players apparently play, introduced by Patrice Evra, who had seen it in uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Or I don't know if maybe Pogba had just seen it in Pirates of the Caribbean. Have you ever played this game? Like a dice game where you've got like dice yeah. in a cup. Everyone's yeah. got like a certain starts with a certain amount of dice, and then like you roll you, you know, shuggle your dice around, and then you look down and You tell, as Pogba says, uh, it's a game that irritates uh, the cunning liar game. Uh, You
1: tell somebody else what you have.
3: You you look in your dice, you start with five, and then you go, hmm, I've got like three threes. And they can either say, yeah, I believe you, or... call, Call bullshit. Exactly. And then if it turns out that you're telling the truth, and they thought you were lying, then they lose the dice. But if they're correct then maybe you lose a dice. And it goes on until nobody's going to die. So apparently Paul Pogba is the best at this <laughs> as well. Well, I
1: can see why he might not be too popular with his... T- I'm sure he is popular. We must learn to relax sometimes. Stop beating them at everything. Uh,
3: but he says that, you know, the atmosphere around the French team has improved. Why? They say, well, because of the results. Pogba says quite honestly. But also we have many young uh, players who uh, are uh, at top clubs and bring down and Griezmann, Marshall at top clubs. Um... Uh, And then there are guys who have the hot foot right now. Payet, Sechou, hot, hot. Uh, Dimitri Payet is hot. And then you saw Grizou. He is a cool dude. It is shocking how he scores. It is impressive because fundamentally he's not even a striker. Um, But now he's at, you know, basically the level just below uh, Ronaldo and Messi. But you must know something about Griezmann. The guy you see in camera, it's not him because he's crazy. He loves African music. Uh, He loves dancing and so on and so forth. Uh, Blaise Matridi is also hot, says Pogba, who basically says that's hot more than like Paris Hilton. (laughs) Um, They ask him a bit about his own game, though. Uh, and he said, "You know, you're more than just a runner. You look like you want to do everything, so people can't redefine your position." And he said, "You know, I played with guys like Andrea Pirlo, uh, it, you know, which made me realize that I'm nothing when I, you know, played with a guy like that. I came out full of humility, wanted to follow his path. I also look at a player like Pavel Nedved, and I tell myself, the year he won the Golden Ball, um, he kept scoring in the Champions League. When you're a midfielder, it's important to score if you want to be at the top. Basically, you win the uh, the way a midfielder wins the Ballon d'Or." Is by scoring a load of goals in the Champions League, which is what Paul Pogba, Paul Pogba intends to do. Apparently, they they make they say then, oh well, what about like for instance, Mar- Verratti? Everyone everyone thinks Marco Verratti is great, but he never scores. Mm. Um, he says, well, technically strong, passing quality very strong. You give him the ball, you know, he won't lose it. He plays forward; he's not afraid. He takes risks. He dribbles. He makes assists. But he's far from the goal. His position is somewhat like Xavier Busquets. Me, I want to do everything because I think I can do everything and the coach said I can do everything. I want to create something. Create the new midfielder. Now, this is ambitious kind of talk. you know. I'm going to create the new midfielder. They say, oh, that sounds interesting. What's the new midfielder? Uh, He does everything. He knows how to retrieve the ball. He can go forward with the ball. He knows how to play. He can make passes. He can score. Uh, And they say, well, what do you actually like doing most? And he says, dribbling. When I was little, I dribble too much. I keep the ball. With time, you learn to share. But my former coach at Juventus, Antonio Conte, told me I was too greedy. He tells me all the time. He says, play, play simple. Okay, okay. But sometimes it happens. Um, so there you go. Uh, they, say, they, they say, oh, you had to annoy the coaches. He said, well, when you play with me, you know that upsetting the coach at least once a match is my signature. If I dribble and lose the ball, it annoys me. Because I don't have to lose, and then I then it gets into my head that I have to dribble again, not losing the ball. Uh, so you can imagine how annoyed some like Conte would get, or you know his possibly current manager, as Pogba tries to prove the point uh, over and over again. But you know he says this can um, uh, dribbling is also a very very important part, and uh, yeah, so he, he comes across pretty well.
1: Yeah, I like it. Pogba does come across well in these in the few interviews I've seen him recently.
3: The last. He mentions... Who do you think was the player who impressed him when he came to England? When he Since played for Manchester United before?
1: Who oh, that? sorry. I was about to say Zlatan. Um Luke Shaw.
3: Uh, he wasn't playing with Luke Shaw at that time. Luke Shaw only arrived Oh,
4: sorry. When, so this, when, when he, he, he was at Man his, United originally. originally. Oh, originally. Paul Scholes. Paul Scholes. Oh, his foot. Why, oh, God? Just, you know, it's pretty expected, isn't it, really?
3: Paul Scholes. Skullsy. His foot. You could hit ten times. Ten times he put the ball in the same place. And, of course, the power. Strength. Explosiveness. Shots. It started there. Shots. They hit a lot of shots. They tell you to hit shots all the time. You're in position, you shoot. They want you to score goals over there. That's why it's not like in Italy where the only thing that matters is tactics. A team that's tactically developed is hard to beat. I don't think Leicester. It's basically saying in England they want to score goals. Um, and none better at it than
1: uh, Pulse goals. That's it for Kennedy's report on sport
4: and Randall sends it long That's ist keine abseits Shane, long. Shane Longs in behind the defense Shane Long against Moyer. what a goal Gonzalez Hector und da the das The die irren führen mit 1:0 in der 70.
2: minute magnifique
4: porté par un public en liesse l'irlande peut croire à l'exploit grâce à son super sub
2: Shane Long
4: Shane Long but
2: what a Shane Long take the lead.
1: We'll get over to Belgrade now. Emmet Malone is there for the Irish Times. Looking forward to the game tonight I'm sure, Emmet. The kind of seems to have come around if not un- unnoticed that it's certainly uh, come around quicker than this always seems to happen when there's major tournaments, these games, seem to uh, just sort of land on our, on our doorsteps. I'm sure the players are more prepared than I seem to be for this game tonight. What's the vibe coming from the camp?
0: Um, positive, really, I guess. uh hopeful that they can get something out of this. Uh, Serbia, everybody recognises our, our good team. They have a lot of talent, but they have utterly failed to deliver on their, their potential over the last few years. And... Um, after a good European championship. So I guess the Irish come here, you know, optimistic and hopeful, and um, you know, really feeling that they can get something out of this. I think
3: it seems as though uh, Martin O'Neill is kind of looking for a bit of continuity, uh, judging by what he's been saying. Mm-hmm. That that as though we are still in Euro twenty sixteen. Let's kind of keep that going. It's it's kind of, it can be kind of difficult to uh, to preserve that the feeling that was around the team though a couple of months ago. I'd say.
0: Yeah. It, It is. Uh, I mean, there's been a big break, um, but I think the way he looks at at that was that it was the end of a a development period and that we'd also, you know, we had beaten Germany, we had gotten through the the playoffs against uh, Bosnia and Herzegovina. And then we had gone to France and got a couple of good results. I mean, obviously, the Italy 1 is is the one that stands out. Uh, And I suppose in this situation, you know, that is the obvious thing for him to do. I mean, when we started the campaign two years ago, we went to Georgia and and struggled to get a win over there. I think what he wants to do is to remind the players since that that since that, they've kind of given themselves more reason to be confident coming into games like this. They've beaten big sides, and that's something that, you know, well, yeah, no manager was really able to point to at this side for quite some time
1: I'm sure he's also holding up the France game and the Euros maybe as another example of being able to at least compete against the big sides you made a point in your piece today that uh, this had escaped me during the week but that he said that he felt actually Ireland could have won that game with a couple more days rest
0: yeah yeah, I thought that was uh, I thought it was an interesting thing for him to say. I mean, you know, obviously, I, I guess you would expect him to say it in one way, but I, I really do think he believed it. Uh, obviously, the uh, the turnaround in France uh, for that France game was was terrible. I mean, you know, you you know, I kind of whinge about these things, but it was it was such a huge advantage to the home side, and uh, and it was really readily apparent on the day that uh, the Irish guys were were but they were kind of dead on their feet in the second half. So um, that was a big factor. Again, he he was. Pointing out, you know that that he felt that they could have done much better and, and we 'll never know the answer to that, but certainly this is a team that has big performances in it that you know has big wins in it, uh, and that wasn 't something that we could say for a very long time again the team, whether they do it here, whether they deliver. remains to be seen. And and it is, you know, there's a lot of continuity with, 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 uh, with the European Championships as he acknowledged last night that essentially this is, you know, virtually the squad that was at the European Championships. And he talked last night about the fact that he expects that to change over the course of the year and a half. But given that there was only the two months in between. It's been close season. That there's really no basis to change that. Guys who did well there have been kept on largely on the basis of what they've done there. We'll see what happens over the course of the of the club season because you know I, I think clearly the, uh, the pecking order is going to change.
3: So how do you expect it to be, the team?
0: Uh, today, I, 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 well, I mean, I, I think it's going to be, it's going to very closely resemble what, what, what was happening in, in France. I think the kind of question marks, which, you know, it's very difficult to call with O'Neill in advance, but the question marks are, are, you know, largely revolve around whether Robbie Brady plays at left back or further up the field. I think my hunch would be that Ward will come in and, uh, and, and give that much, that bit more of a, of a base at the back. I think it's really up for grabs who plays at centre half. I, again, I think O'Shea, I, I think O'Shea will start the campaign. Um, I think you know O'Neill really rates him for his experience, uh, and in a game like this, um, that will be valued. That said, he hasn't been uh, fully fit. He hasn't been training through m- much of the weekend the way that the other guys have been. So, um, I, you know, it is possible that he won't start the camp. Or he won't uh, play tonight. But I think that that would be O'Neill's preference to start him. Whether he finishes the campaign is another thing. I think he is one of those players at 35 who is probably he um, 's you know, going to be eased out over the course of this campaign um uh, he 's talked about him in a, in a kind of Robbie sense as as having you know something to contribute behind the scenes and um you know being a huge influence over the younger players and, and probably he has little choice but to try and replace him uh, elsewhere. I think that you know it 's going to be interesting to see who he plays um uh, instead of James McCarthy but uh, you know Quinn looks the obvious one uh, just in terms of you know the, the kind of the, the similarity of the, uh, role or suitability to play the role and uh, Wes Hulan is the other question mark I mean Wes Hulan is somebody who Martin O'Neill said at one point was sort of a kind of you know was only the sort of player you could play at home in games where you were, where you were trying to win and that he was a luxury away a, a, a and and that changed he became a really key part of the team because he made such a difference and yes you know when you look at this team today the way Hendrick has has evolved the way um, Walters you know how important he is. The fact that Long is almost certainly going to start up front. If Brady starts on the left, there's really no room for uh, Wes Ulan except to come on from the bench.
1: Just back to O'Shea for a second, Emma. It's it's mm. interesting, that A, that he's still there. I mean, he's been around for so long yeah. at this stage, he's decided that he's going to keep playing. And also that you feel that O'Neill does still have faith in him because I, I, I would have thought that maybe that wasn't the case given that he left him You know, as the Euros progressed, O'Shea lost his place in the team.
0: Yeah, uh, well, we'll see. I, I, my my own sense is that he does feel that, that 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 he has something fairly significant to contribute on the pitch at the moment, and that his experience. In a game like this, is is really worth having. Um, he did lose his place in, in in the Euros, but I mean, given his age and the, and the, the, the you know the 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 speed at which the games were coming around, I don't think that's a huge surprise. I mean, ultimately, you know, half the team lost their place in at the Euros yeah. just because he needed to change uh, he needed to change bodies, and and I think it was natural that O'Shea would be one of those. But I I suspect I get the sense uh, from from what both O'Shea and uh, And O'Neill has said that you know O'Shea may well have been open to retiring had that you know had O'Neill not had the interest in keeping him about. Certainly, O'Neill has confirmed that he talked to him and encouraged him to stay around, and uh, that he, that he, that he de- did have a role to play. And I really doubt that he would have done that if, if it wasn't with a view to playing him. Um, uh, we'll see tonight. I mean, he is coming into this game having been injured for a couple of weeks and not having trained fully. There are a great many reasons why he wouldn't play tonight. But I get the sense that if he is fully fit... I, I, I think he, he remains important at this point in time. I mean, over 15 months, he'd be, you know, over you know, 36 when the campaign finishes. I'd be surprised if, if, if he's still if he's still a uh, first choice at that stage. His, his lack of pace is, is a real issue, but he, re, you know, he's a much better reader of the game than any of the other players here. He's much less uh, prone to mistakes than, say, you know, Wilson, who's a who's a, a nicer football baller coming out of defence, you know, possibly, but but is just prone to one big mistake in in, in games, you know. So look. We'll see. But I I, I think for uh, O'Neill, there is still this kind of sense that uh, he is somebody that he can build a defence around and, he, and, he, and you know, he kind of marshals the, the players either side of him.
3: Just last thing, I had a word on the opponents tonight. They got hammered in Euro 2016 qualifying. They had matches abandoned, yeah. drone attacks, all kinds of nonsense. They're a team with a lot of good players, I think, who, uh, I mean, yeah. do you get the sense from being, uh, spending a bit of time around them that they feel as though they've really got something to prove tonight?
0: Oh, I, th- I, I think that's that goes without doubt. You know, they, uh, they have a huge amount to prove. Um, they're, they're missing a couple of players. Uh, call off and manage are suspended, which is a problem for them. Um, they're obviously they're big standout stars, you know Ivanovic. But they have a you know a huge number of players. I mean they'll have upwards of half a dozen players playing Champions League this year. And um, they're they're good clubs. They're solid players. A lot of young players coming in, you know coming in and up. Um, and I think there's a real frustration amongst the local population that uh, they achieved so little. They were at the World Cup in um, 2010, but performed poorly enough over there. Beat Germany, but finished bottom of their group. Haven't qualified for a European Championship since year 2000. Um, Um, I think there's a bewilderment here that this group of players can't achieve more. And and the last campaign was a complete kind of car crash for them. As you say, early on, the game against Albania was abandoned. But they just kind of came off the rails completely then. There seems to be a complete lack of unity within the squad. Um, And they've tried to address that by by, uh, appointing um, a, 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 a kind of authoritarian manager who will try and impose some sort of unity on them. He hasn't done a whole lot in the club game for quite some time. He was a manager of Red Star more than a decade ago and won titles with them. Um, most of the clubs he's been at since you know, kind of journeyman around, you know, large Eastern Europe. He was in standard age for three months. He sat short spells at clubs and left again in many cases because of falling out with players. So it's one of those situations where I think if, if they start well, if they beat us tonight, if they do well, this side of Christmas generally, I think this team has the potential to go on really and and, and be a problem for Ireland and the other teams in the group. They they, they potentially um, could win the group, but if things are badly tonight, if, you know, I, I mean, I think, you know, Ireland beating them would be, you know, a, a really remarkable result but certainly if, uh, they, if, if Ireland get a draw and uh, Serbia drop points, I think things could kind of unravel for them again uh, very quickly because they just do seem to be really prone to dividing and, uh, and falling apart a bit.
1: Very quick prediction Emmett. Do you think we can at least get that point?
0: Yeah, look, I, I, you know, I, you know, I've been on countless times and been very pessimistic about our chances. I, I do think that we are in a position now to talk about kind of getting results where where we weren't before. We've always been hard to beat away from home. I think there is a sense that O'Neill tries to win games, um, and 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 out of that comes kind of you know the you know the, the, the result becomes very achievable because they're playing in a very positive way. I think it's possible. I think a great deal depends on on whether Serbia really have got their act together under the new manager. All they've played is three. Friendlies back in May. A couple of them were against very weak Poland. They played Russia. Uh, drew against. Drew against them. Looked like a decent result at the time. Although Russia went on to have a pretty awful uh, European Championships. It's very difficult to know, you know, to what extent this uh, this group of uh, of of, uh, of Serbian players has been molded together. Whether they will really kind of hit the ground running tonight. If they do, we're going to have problems. But I think you know we bring confidence and a bit of momentum into the into the game. So yeah, I think we're capable of getting results.
1: Emmett, brilliant stuff. Enjoy the game. Thank you.
0: Thank you. FIFA made a movie recently. Did they?
1: John Delaney could run anything.
0: They did, they did, actually. About
3: themselves? Yeah, about themselves. Oh, that's ego, isn't it? He could run FIFA. Certainly better than Zap Blatter. <laughs> yeah, that is, that's incredible ego. But the real movie's on its way. Well, yeah, I'm off to see
4: the Queen tomorrow too, don't forget that. No, no, don't forget that. In 2009,
3: I called him an embarrassment to FIFA, an embarrassment to himself, and I, I said it to him across the table, just like I'm talking to you one or two excuses
0: He said, no one speaks to me like that. And you said? And I said, what well, I do? And that was it.
3: we one or two explosives. And I just asked him to move on. It was an extraordinary moment. She, she was here, she tell you, just stared at her for seven seconds, And I said, move on now, please. And then he moved. When I went in and told him how I felt about him, uh-huh. there was some expletive views. We came to an, an agreement. It's a
1: very good agreement, for <laughs> and And <laughs> you've used <laughs> a figure there, why do to. Do you go along with Emma Kenyon completely ruling out an Irish victory? Um, it seems like we never... Well, it doesn't seem like. We just never win against big teams away from home. And you would consider Serbia a reasonably big team. So, any particular reason? I, I think it's going to be difficult. I just think it's going to be hard for us, you know? Um,
3: I mean, a fully fit... If we had a fully fit, James McCarthy, he was playing well. We haven't really had that for a while, I suppose. Um kind of flitted in and out of the Euros a bit Uh, maybe it had something to do with this groin problem he needs to have surgery on I do think that he's an important player for us if he's playing well I mean he has had some good games for us we don't have him Um, I don't know it's it's possible I I, kind of feel like a draw would be a great result. I think it might be the best we can get.
1: Right, England got their campaign off to a, well, a winning start, but it, it took a late Adam Lallana goal. John Bruhn is watching this one. Jo- John, is it a, it's three points on the board, I guess? Is that all that counts?
2: Well, this is Sam Allardyce, so yes, it does. And uh, judging by the Cheshire Cat smile on his face at the end of it, it was all that mattered to him. Um, I think in the immediate Uh, aftermath. um, He's interviewed and asked about various tactical things, um, including the Wayne Rooney thing, which we'll probably discuss at length. Um, And he seemed quite dismissive of it all, just saying, listen, we won the game. Now, the thing is, um, for for those of us that have, um, how can I put this, endured Sam Allardyce's football for the last 15 years or so uh, in in the English Premier League, um, you've got to say that... uh, that was very much a Sam Allardyce type of performance. Um, what he does is, uh, he sets up his team in the first 30 minutes or so to not give away too much, um, builds a structure into the game, then steps things up during the game, and that's that's pretty much what happened. Um, but, you know, when you when you appoint Sam Allardyce. You're not going to get flying football. So I did see a few whinges around how boring it was. Well, I'm afraid that's what you're going to get. I mean, you asked someone that, um, in fact, a friend of mine covered every Blackburn game for a season during um, Allardyce's reign there and said it's the dullest year of his life. You know, that's what you get from Sam Allardyce. Um, but it was effective last night. Yeah. I- it, ha- it was late. It was late.
3: And I don't know. Um, I mean, I was at the England Sabaki game in San Etienne and it seemed a... Seemed considerably more exciting than that. Um, although there was a lot of the same players, I couldn't really work out what it was that Sam Maldini had changed since you were in 2016.
2: Well, yes, that was the thing, wasn't it? It started with a four-three-three formation, which is pretty much what um, uh, Roy Hodgson persisted with at the Euros and, and, and on too unsuccessfully. Um, one of the things about that Slovakia game um, that you went to, Ken. Um, there's been a lot of revisionism about that. It's saying, you know, we absolutely dominated Slovakia. We should have buried them. But m- my view on that game, and I don't know if it was yours, was that England were poor and never looked like winning the game.
3: My view is think- that, my view was that uh, both sides knew a draw, would take them through, and England were satisfied to finish second, and they played out the, the last 20, 25 minutes without really trying to win.
2: Okay, okay. Well, yeah, and, and, and things are a little different here because... Once Martin Skirtle um, got himself sent off, after about three attempts to get himself sent off, then um, England could push for the win. And for that last 20 minutes, England did pile it on. I think there's still a distinct lack of quality in the attacking play and the finishing of the creation of the final ball. But um, Adam Lalana, who uh, is a player uh, who has, he gets a mixed reception from many people, but I did think was actually England's best player on the night, um, showed the composure that maybe a few of them haven't done, scored the goal. Um, and uh, yeah, that big yes, you can't smile from Big Sam.
1: You mentioned his comments about Rooney, uh, and the initial ones were in that TV interview. Wayne played wherever he wanted, said the manager. He was brilliant and controlled midfield. I can't stop Wayne playing there. So what seemed to happen there, John, is that uh, once he had completed that interview and went to do the press stuff, <laughs> obviously a few people decided it's worth following this up. It seemed to be a strange comment. He says, this is the most decorated outfield player in England. He's won everything at Manchester United at Champions League and domestic level. I think he holds a lot more experience in international football than I do as international manager. So when he's using his experience and playing as a team member, it's not for me to say where he's going to play. That seems uh, extraordinary.
2: Yes, that's not what you you would expect from Big Sam, the man who prides himself on being his own man, the man with a you know tunnel vision for what he wants. But there is something, uh, 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 there is some logic I can follow in what he's done there. Um, if you actually look at some of the players that he's played, ha- used at club level, I mean, it, it seemed to me that Rooney was given this roving role, which wouldn't be dissimilar to that that he gave maybe JJ Kotcher back at Bolton. Uh, I remember Stuart Downing, of all people, was suddenly converted into a, a sort of central playmaker um, at West Ham. Now, the problem is. Uh, maybe Rooney is a little more willful than Stuart Downing, for example. Um, and there were points when Wayne Rooney was dropping so deep that he was taking the ball off John Stones uh, just ahead of the defence. Um, it reminded me, I don't know if you recall this, um, when England lost to Northern Ireland in Belfast, and I think that was about 2004 or five. Davis or so. David Beckham
3: playing the quarterback.
2: Absolutely, yes. Um, which, you know... Must have been really enjoyable for David Beckham to play in that, you know, having the ball all the time, and and maybe it was the same for Wayne Rooney, but for the rest of the team, it doesn't work, because um, I think the player that suffered most for that is Harry Kane. Now, Harry Kane is becoming a problem for England, because Harry Kane, uh, I think, is the best English striker out there. Um, I think... Uh, his performances for Tottenham certainly uh, would suggest that to me. Um, the big problem with Harry Kane at the moment is, though, uh, when you look at Harry Kane play for Tottenham at his best, uh, he's a player that makes things happen on his own, yet somehow when he plays for England, um, he's disconnected, he's lost. And he also looks really nervous as well. Now, I say somehow, I think I know the reason is that he's, he's isolated, there's probably a little bit of nerves. He's also... Not a, what, I think, what I think about Harry Kane actually is that uh, he's someone that starts a season slowly and perhaps finishes them a little slowly, which has contributed to his poor performances at international tournaments over the last couple of years. He played badly for England under-21s last year. Um, but in the middle of a season, he's absolutely incredible. But, you know, for England... Um we're seeing a player who looks lost and I don't really know what the answer is to Harry Kane, but the answer for Harry Kane is not to have Wayne Rooney sat fifty yards behind him.
3: What about playing Harry Kane in midfield? Isn't that what happens to strikers who can't score? <laughs> they just move further. I mean Harry Kane used to is, is good when he gets the ball early. You know, yes. he likes he likes to get the ball quickly and be up against one or two defenders. He's not quite so good when he's up against, you know, an entire six man defensive setup. Um I think probably most strikers are a bit like that but you know uh, uh, when 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 says this about Rooney uh who am I to tell him what to do I mean he's the manager you know it, it's, obviously he's supposed to but when you but when you see a quote like that is this a case of um little Sam or wise Sam is is Sam playing a, a clever game here is this is this if if you were in his position you think you'd be doing the same thing
2: Well, it does remind me of the thing that I think we've discussed before about Jose Mourinho and Rooney, which is um, you've got to be careful with a player of such a reputation, someone who, let's say, has the ear of some of the media and things like that. You've perhaps got to treat him a little differently to other players. Now, in an ideal world, that wouldn't have to be the case, but Big Sam, like Jose Mourinho, is a pragmatist. And I do think there is a little bit of that. In there um, I, I, I think he, I, I don't know I think he might have been blindsided a little bit by the fact that Wayne Rooney has decided that he's going to set his grand rede- retirement date for World Cup 2018 which itself sets a timetable and suggests that I'm here to stay um, and also creates a bit of a problem in that as we build up to the World Cup everyone still expects Rooney to be in the squad when ultimately his performances have been Um, poor for for some time. Um, But I suppose if you also look at it from the the flip side of that, have England got a player that can come in and replace Wayne Rooney? Now, one of the things that did happen yesterday was when Deli Ali came on, um, I think about 60th minute or so, uh, came on for the utterly, utterly, utterly anonymous (laughs) Jordan Henderson, uh, who, I have to say, I didn't realise had been playing in the game. Um, it, things got a little better for England because Delhi Alley was a, a, able to provide a bit more of a counterpoint to England's forwards. Uh, Wayne Rooney was able to drop back even further into his withdrawn Paul Scholes' light uh, defensive midfield role. And it worked a little better from there. But ultimately, um, the Rooney question is one that I think we're going to have to keep asking until we get beyond the
1: 2018 World Cup. Yep, John Broon, great to chat to you as always. Thanks a million. Cheers, lads. Are you any more convinced by Big Sam's explanation now having talked to John? Um, his rationale, I should say, around the, giving Wayne Rooney... My, my bigger issue here, or as big as it is with Sam Allardyce's comments, is more with Wayne Rooney and his insistence on doing this. I mean, if he was given a free role, A free role doesn't mean a free role. I mean, it doesn't. it doesn't really... It means you're a most skillful player. Traditionally, is what would have meant. So you go and get into areas where you can influence the game the most. And we'll give you. You should have enough tactical awareness and spatial awareness to go and do that. What it's not supposed to mean is go back and pick up the ball off the centre half and stroke it around. Sure, Jordan Henderson can do that.
3: Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I mean, I, and it was it was a problem for the team during the Euros. We were talking about it during the Euros before anything happened. Now, okay, it wasn't the only problem. I mean, there was terrible things happening all over the team against Iceland. Everybody froze. Harry Kane had a miserable, miserable tournament. He was he was worse than rubbish. You know, everyone was he, he kept his place. Um, you know, it's routed. He was there against Iceland because everyone assumed, oh, come on, Harry Kane. He's had such an amazing season. It's got to it's gotta happen for him. And he was just pathetic. You know, his performance against Iceland was worse than, you know, it was definitely worse than Rooney's. And Rooney did not play well. But it was this, this issue of a team that's playing needlessly slow football. A team full of players that wants to play fast. Play, players who want to play fast, sorry, I should say. And they're kind of being just slowed down by this unnecessary playmaker in the middle. I'm not quite sure what he should be doing. I mean, to me, I don't think he's even deep enough if that's the way he wants to play. He needs to be literally the deepest midfield player. You know, I mean, the he that's, that's the only place in the team for a guy in that position. Like, literally, the guy who is so far back in midfield that when your team has the ball, he is the central defender in the team. With the uh, central defenders having split to either side of him, he is the central defensive player he's not he he basically doesn't go into the other half you know what I mean he almost barely goes in there that's that that's the only way a player like that makes sense now that's completely opposite of what Way's <laughs> been doing his entire career you know i mean it just I can't believe that that a team with him makes more sense than a team without him but there does seem to be a certain amount of reverence maybe he's too strong maybe he's not too strong from ady you kind of a sense of well this guy you know he's as he said, he's been here a lot longer than me. I can't just come in and start shouting the odds to this guy. You know? yeah,
1: kind of. Robbie Keane gets dropped. You know, I don't understand why Wayne Rooney is undroppable. Robbie Keane has as big a status within Irish football, and he was dropped for much of the last couple of years of his career by mm. Martin O'Neill. Now, I don't know. It's, it's it's Is it this, as you said, is Big Sam being Little Sam? Is it? Uh, is it an early sign that the job is a little bit too big? Well,
3: I mean, when remember, there's a case of the opposite happening when Steve McLaren took over as England manager after the 2006 World Cup and pretty much made it his, his first item on the agenda was to... Get rid of Beckham. Yes. Thanks, Dave, but uh, thanks. And, of course, he ended up humiliatingly having to recall <laughs> Beckham to the squad, which was a disaster. Now, <clears throat> did, did McLaren win any win any credibility for doing that. Actually, weirdly, what happened was people just said, oh, here's McLaren trying to prove he's tough. You know what I mean? McLaren was doing what Allardyce hasn't done. He was basically calculating Beckham is bigger than me. If he's here, he's going to be running the team. So I'm going to get rid of him now. And that establishes me as the boss. And I don't have Beckham there thinking, oh, Mm. but boss, you know, I want to play quarterback, you know, as, as... uh, Beckham, remember at that stage, was also, was involved in the same sort of search for a new role yeah. that Rooney is in now. He used to be this all action, you know, Beckham, to keep it a team we've had, we've been talking about today, was the guy who covered more ground than anyone else in the field. Like a slow player who could outrun absolutely every opponent over 90 minutes. Eventually, he would he would uh, get away from his market. Marker would just get too tired. Beckham stopped being able to do that, and suddenly he was like, uh, well, what was he? You know, he, he, he wasn't really affecting the game in the way that he used to. He couldn't get into the sort of positions that he used to cross from as regularly, try him in central midfield, but he was kind of missing a lot of the skill set of a central midfielder in the way that Rooney is. Um, it didn't really work, and kind of having to crowbar him in was weakening the team. Um, McLaren decided he didn't want to go that way, caused a bit of a problem for himself at the time, and ended up having to bring him back <laughs>
1: But if you're backing yourself can you not I, I'm not calling for Wayne Rooney to be dumped from the England squad he's good enough to be in the squad even as a player as he is now and he's useful in certain ways but surely you don't it, have to start him you don't have to start him you just have him, You don't have to make a statement oh, I'm going to get rid of this guy whatever that was from McLaren you just pick him when it suits and if there's injuries or if there's a role for him and then don't pick him the other times and possibly bring him off the bench yeah um, it's just managing well, we'll see if, too, you know? ever, if, that,
3: if that ever happens um, but you know I mean, Roy Hodgson left Rooney. <clears throat> didn't he? Didn't he? Did he leave him out for the Slovakia game? I can't remember whether he actually left him out or subbed him off. There was a lot of changes. Rooney wasn't happy about it. You know what I mean? Rooney was Rooney was left out for that game to to begin with, uh, and said later, "I wasn't happy about that." You, you know, you can't put him on the bench and put someone else in the team. It's just, it's
4: like. Well, yes, you can. No, you
3: can, but it's. You, but he's not. He's not going to accept it. You know what
4: I mean? Well, the the absolute worst case scenario is that Wayne Rooney storms off in a huff, and I mean, that's not that doesn't weaken your team, and you've tried to manage the situation in a mature fashion. And if Wayne Rooney, with 115 caps, can't handle it, then I'm I'm just thinking they're like they're, the the idea that big, that Sam Allardyce thinks he can't drop Wayne Rooney after the displays that Wayne Rooney has given in the last year and a half. I mean, I I just find that baffling. Well, there's
3: there's also the fact that that maybe Allardyce is is just in the job a few weeks. They haven't really had games. They haven't had time to look at what else they could do. And he, maybe in the way that Martin O'Neill has been talking over the last couple of days, is kind of thinking, well, let's try and, it sounds as like the Euros was a triumph exactly, but let's try and get this team, that this team that sort of knows what it's about, has played with each other a few times, get out there trusting them to win this game, and then we can sort of start to see who's coming into contention. You know, as the the league season goes on, we'll see who's playing well, who deserves to be in the team. Uh, But for now, let's just stick with what we've done before.
1: Our latest podcast is all about tip and their unbelievable performance yesterday in dethroning Kilkenny as All-Ireland champions. We had Owen Kelly... Tip legend in studio with Maliki Clerkin, and we are also having a chat in that podcast with Noel McGrath, one of the Tip's stars, uh, one of their best players in the season, and superb again at the weekend. But for this football podcast, that's pretty much it. Enjoy the game tonight. We'll catch up with you after it at some stage. Thanks, Ken. Thanks, Owen. Thanks very much, Kieran. Thank you, Owen. Thank you,
4: Kenny. Thanks Thank for you, listening. Ken.
1: Enjoy the football. How is that? That's the
3: second time it's gone off. Never go home they never go home they never go home those those